0: Om Shri Sai Ram, offering most humble pranams at the divine lotus feet of our ever-present Lord, invoking Bhagwan's benediction for today's talk, dear listeners of Radio Sai, a very loving Sai Ram to all of you. Om Sahana Bhavatu Sahana Bhunaktu Sahabir Tejas vinavadhi tamastumā vidviśāvahai. Om shānti shānti shāntihi. Harihi om tatsat shri saishvarārpa namastu. At the outset, we shall first chant the invocatory prayer of Tattva Bodhah. Vāsudevendrayo gīndram, natva jñāna pradam guruṁ, mumukshunam hitārthāya, tatva bodho bhidhiyate. Last week, we saw that it is very important for us to elevate our minds with the buddhi in order to get ātma So, self-effort on our part is very, very important. We must realize it is only when we take the first step towards Him, He can take a hundred steps towards us. And Vedanta also says, our attitude should be like a pot, an empty pot which is kept upright, which means We must be ready to receive this knowledge from the Guru. And it should not be like a pot upside down, which means we are just listening and we are not registering it at all. Then it is also said it should not be like a pot with holes, which means whatever knowledge that we receive, it just leaks out and we don't retain anything at all. And the third one is, we should not be like a dirty pot, which means we should not have our preconceived notions and prejudice about Vedanta and whatever we have studied earlier, thinking that what we know is right. So we should have an open, receptive mind. And this type of attitude is very important for any scriptural study. Today, we will continue with the text, Tattva Bodha and last week, we saw the Mangala Charana in which the author invokes the grace of the Lord and the Guru and he also speaks about the Anubhanda Chetushtraya where he says, the basic qualification that is required for a seeker to study this text is called Sādhana Chetushtraya Sādhana Chatushtaya meaning the fourfold qualification And from now on, the text is in the form of Q&E, question and answers. The disciple asks the question with keenness and eagerness and enthusiasm to receive the knowledge from the Guru. And the Guru answers with equal enthusiasm and with certain depth in his answers. And we can also make out that these answers are given in the form of two, three sentences very cryptic answers which shows that there is so much precision and the Guru has packed so much of knowledge into every sentence. And this text basically explains to us the definitions of certain terms used in Vedanta. And as we study along, we also make out that it is not just that he defines the terms In doing so, the author unfolds the vision of Vedanta itself and this is the beauty of this text. And we must all remember it is, after all, Sri Shankaracharya, the proponent of Advaita Vedanta, who has authored this text. So, we shall continue with the verse. The disciple asks, Sadhana Chatushtayam Kim? What is this sadhana chatushtaya you have mentioned? What is the meaning of this word? I don't know. Then the Guru says, Nitya anitya vastu vivekaha, Yiha amutra artha pala bhoga viragaha, Shamadhi shatka sampatihi, Mumukshutvam cha iti. So there are four things mentioned here because it is chatushtaya, a group of four. The first one the Guru says is, Nitya Anitya Vastu Vivekaha, discernment between the one which is permanent, eternal and non-permanent, impermanent or ephemeral. Then he says, Iha Amutra Artha Palabhoga Viragaha, dispassion for the enjoyment of the fruit of action here and hereafter. Then he says, shatka sampathihi, the inner wealth, the six fold inner wealth, starting with shama. And then the fourth point is, mumukshutvam, yearning for liberation. And the Guru explains all these terms in detail. See, the word sampatihi is used here. Shamadhi Shatka Sampatti Sampatti means wealth. Wealth means it is not just the wealth that we get from the outer world. What we require here is the inner wealth, the virtues that we must develop or we must manifest within ourselves in order to acquire this fourfold qualification. Then the disciple goes on and he asks this question. Nitya Anitya Vastu Vivekaha kaha. What is meant by Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka? The Guru says, Nitya Vastu Ekam Brahma Tad vyatiriktam Sarvam Anityam Ayameva Nitya Anitya Vastu Vivekaha. Nitya Vastu the only eternal thing is Brahman and Tadvyati Riktam, everything other than this, apart from Brahman, is Anityam, it is ephemeral. And this is what is meant by Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka. So, there are certain terms which need certain explanation here. First, let us see the word Viveka itself. The word Viveka comes from the root, which means to separate two things. There is a mixture of say sand and sugar and we are separating the sugar from sand and this is the process of vivich or separation. Say for instance, we all know that the celestial swan is endowed with the ability to separate water from milk which is called Hamsakshira Nyaya. So, Viveka means discernment, to discriminate or differentiation of what? Nitya, Anitya. To discriminate between what is ephemeral, what is eternal, what is real, what is unreal, what is ever-changing imperishable entity and what is the unchanging principle. This is what is nitya anitya vastu viveka is. See, this viveka, the ability to discriminate, is present even in animals at a very gross level. Say, an animal knows what is edible for it, what is not edible, and who is the friend of that animal or a foe, and where it has you know, whom to avoid, and whom to mingle with. All this is there and as you know we go up in the ladder of evolution this viveka the ability to discern becomes subtler and subtler like for instance we all know what is good what is wrong and how to differentiate between the two the same way what is right and what is right what we should be doing what we should not be doing and at the same time what is dharma what is adharma what is righteous what is not righteous. And at a still subtler level, we can say we have to certain extent this Shreya, Preya, Viveka. We know what is like how to differentiate between Shreya and Preya. The Shreya and Preya are the two things which are explained in detail in Kathopanishad and we can see a beautiful explanation of this by Bhagwan in Upanishad Vahini. Shreya is the path which is good while prayer is something which is pleasant. So while Shreya is the preferable path, prayer is the pleasurable path. Most of us take to prayer because to begin with this prayer gives us happiness. It is easy also to do. But as we go along, in the end we see, though it is sweet and nectarine, honey-like in the beginning, in the end it becomes a poison. Whereas Shreya is difficult to start with. It is not easy. You have to put in a lot of conscious self-efforts and you may have to sacrifice certain pleasures of ours. So though it is like a poison in the beginning and later it takes us do the highest thing and it gives us only good results. It is nectarine in the end. See, say for instance, sitting down and studying Vedanta may be a poison in the beginning. It is not a very pleasurable thing to do. And if Vedanta says, tomorrow morning you get up at 4 o'clock and sit and meditate on Brahman, it is a bigger poison. But if we resist this temptation and take the path of Shreya, in the end what we get is Amrita, the nectarine result. So, these are some of the things where we always exercise our discernment or Viveka. And probably the subtlest of all the Viveka we can say is, Atma-anatma-viveka. Atma, the self. Anatma, the non-self, the body and the mind. And this type of viveka is probably what we need to develop, to progress spiritually. That is why the author says, viveka is... Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka discernment between what is eternal, what is ephemeral and clearly in no uncertain terms the Guru says Nitya Vastu Ekam Brahma, Brahman alone is eternal and everything else falls under the category of Anitya or ephemeral and this is what true Viveka is. See, if we have done the study of Purushartha Nishchaya, this Viveka is not so difficult for us to develop, the Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka. See, in the initial two talks, we saw the elaborate description of the three Purusharthas, the Dharma, Artha, Kama, and if we understand what these Purusharthas exactly are and what is their outcome, that is called Purushartha Nishchaya. If we have the firm conviction that Dharma, Artha, Kama cannot give us total freedom and total fulfilment or eternal happiness, then it becomes easy for us to discern or differentiate between what is eternal And what is ephemeral? See, for instance, we all know Artha gives us security, but we also realise that the absolute security comes only from the conviction that we are the Atman, we are not the body and the mind. And similarly, karma gives us pleasure and all kinds of joy, but we know that the eternal happiness does not come from karma. But still, we indulge in all these things because they do give us some amount of security, some amount of happiness. But if we have understood the Purusharthas correctly, we know that is not what we are seeking. That is not what we are pursuing, this dharma artha kama, for the sake of eternal freedom. Even dharma, say we may say we always do dharmic actions, And that should give us security. That should give us happiness. But even that doesn't happen because most often when we see someone resorting to adharmic means to achieve their end, who cut corners, like I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but mostly when we see those politicians or businessmen who, you know, acquire amass wealth and enjoy all sorts of pleasures and uh, joys in this world, whatever this artha kama can buy, we do feel, see, I am struggling so much in the path of dharma and still, you know, those people are able to enjoy and not me. And we tend to ask God, why do good people suffer? And why does this happen to us? And while those people who are just, you know, in the path of adharma, they seem to have got everything. So we realise even dharma cannot give us the freedom, the inner fulfilment, the contentment and the peace that we are looking for. So the only answer is Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka to know what we must let go of and what we should hold on to. So the next question the disciple asks is Viragaha Kaha what is this Viraga you mentioned in the Sādhana chatustaya the disciple questions? Iha bhogeshu This is what the Guru says. And the Guru has you know, answered the same question in the previous verse like, Iha amutra artha palabhoga virāgaha So we shall see what this means first. Iha here Amutra hereafter. Artha the outcome, the gain, what we have accomplished. Pala bhoga viragaha. Viraga a dispassion towards palabhoga. The enjoyment of the fruit of action that we have accomplished. So dispassion for the fruit of action, not just here iha, amutra hereafter. And this is what the Guru says is Viraga. And the same is expressed in the next verse as Iha Svarga Bhogeshu Iha here Swarga in the heaven Bhogeshu the enjoyment Icha Rahityam The absence of desire. An absence of desire for enjoying the fruit of our actions here and in the heaven. And in fact both these sentences mean the same. So that brings us to the question what is Viraga? The word Viraga comes from the root Ranj. Ranj means to colour, to give colour to something. Say we can say adding masala to something. Like there is something, we either hype the value of it or we underestimate it, we undervalue it. So overvaluing or undervaluing something that is there is called Raga, Ranj and the absence of it when we see things as they are without projecting our opinion on it and hyping it or increasing its value or even not underestimating it, undervaluing it. That exactly is what we need to do to develop Viraga. So, Even here, like when you have performed action, when you give up your attachment to the fruit of action, enjoyment to the fruit of action, and not just here, it says Amutra hereafter. And as we have discussed earlier, the concept in our Sanatana Dharma is, once we die, if we have done lot of good work and earned lot of punya merit, that leads to sukha happiness and we get to go to higher lokas, say like Pitra Loka, Gandharva Loka, Indra Loka and so on, where we get you know subtler bodies, higher bodies, higher environment to enjoy and also higher kinds of sukha. So if we have to practice viraga, see from this word viraga comes vairagya. Viragasya bhavaha is vairagya. So if we have to get this dispassion or vairagya, we must be ready to give up this enjoyment of the fruit that we have got from our actions, not just here and even in the higher locus. See, if we see the Western mythology also, there is this concept of journey of soul through various worlds and this science in Western mythology is called eschatology. And where it is clearly described that the soul goes through various worlds in order to enjoy the merit that one has acquired by performing good actions in their lifetime. But when it is said you have to give up the enjoyment even hereafter, it means we should learn how not to go to heaven itself. That is what moksha is. Liberation from the cycle of birth and death itself. Because even when we go to heaven and get to enjoy there, once our merit or punya phala is exhausted, we have to come back to the earth in human form and go through the same samsara, the cycle of birth and death. As the Bhagavad Gita says, "Shine punye lokam You have to come back to this earth to suffer Once again. So, if we understand properly, if our Nitya Anitya Vastu Viveka is strong, if we understand what Viveka is, it becomes easier for us to practice Viraga or Vairagya. But people commonly think that Viraga or Vairagya is something you have to give up your home, hearth, family, and go somewhere and sit and meditate. So running away from action is not Viraga because wherever you go, our vasanas follow us and we are not alone. We are with our samskaras, vasanas, which still make us act and uh, we won't be practicing Vairagya. See, all of us have some kind of this Viraga sometime or the other. See, it is called Abhava-vairagya or Alabhe-vairagya. When something is not available to us, what happens? We have viraga. We say, I don't want it. I have got detachment to it. This is what we do. But once the thing becomes available to us, we go for a kill, isn't it? We start over-indulging in. So, this is not true vairagya. Then, there is this Mashana-vairagya which means whenever you know there is a personal calamities say like uh, there is the death of a loved one in our family or such tragedies personal tragedies happen in our life we do show certain temporary lack of interest in the worldly things but this is also short-lived and after some time, we soon forget everything and we are back and be the same busy body that we were. But in certain instances, like you know, very rarely this smashana Vairagya can kindle a deep spiritual awakening in us to know the nature of this existence and nature of our true self. And this is how Siddhartha, Prince Siddhartha becomes the Buddha. The mere sight of a sick man, a dead body and an old man was enough to kindle this Viraga in him and attain enlightenment itself. So, dispassion, as we see, is the strength to give up the sorrow giving, impermanent objects not just physically, but mentally also. Knowing fully well that this particular object will not give me permanent happiness that I am looking for and not seeking happiness in such an object is actually viraga. See, most of the time what happens in the name of vairagya, we physically refrain from doing certain things, but mentally, if we continue with our vasanas, mentally we are still thinking about it, that is not vairagya. A mere cosmetic change in us cannot bring in viraga. So the transformation should be at the core. And if we understand clearly, we realise that to develop viraga, the most important thing that we all have to do is to rise above our likes and dislikes, raga dvesha. As the Bhagavad Gita says, Indriyasya indriyasyarte raga dvesha vyavasthitav tayorna chet tauhi asya Paripanthino. In every sense organ, there is a vishaya, there is a subject, which means the eyes see, the ears hear, the tongue taste and so on. And in every vishaya, in every subject, there are these likes and dislikes. We say, I don't want to see this and I want only this. Or I don't want this, I want to get rid of it. This is what we constantly do all the time in our life. And he says, this ragadvesha, they are your greatest enemies and you should never come under this way of this So, if we are able to identify this in our spiritual journey, that becomes the first step to develop Virāga or Vairāgya. See, we can say, the youngest Mumukshu, the seeker of liberation and the predecessor of all the spiritual seekers is probably Nachiketa, whose story comes in the Kathopanishad, where the Lord of Death Yama offers him the enjoyment that is possible here and even in Svargaloka, heaven. And what does Nachiketa say? He exercises Nitya-Anitya-Vastu-Viveka and displays perfect dispassion for these pleasures and he says, O Lord Yama, as long as you are there, death is there for us. What is the use of having all these enjoyments? Because I may have to leave all these things and go. So teach me by which I can become immortal. And this is probably the youngest Mumukshu we have seen. So dispassion arises from discrimination between what is eternal and what is ephemeral. And one of the easiest ways, you know, especially devotees like us can think of is dispassion that comes out of dedicated performance of one's duty in the spirit of selfless service as an offering to God. When we make it a habit to offer everything to God, we rise above our likes and dislikes and as we attach ourselves to God, our dispassion, our detachment to the worldly things naturally drops away. So, dedicated performance of one's duty in the spirit of Swadharma, Atma Dharma, Mamadharma is what we need to engage in. And that is why the scripture says Dharma te virati. So viraga comes from the practice of Atma Dharma. And one of the greatest things we get with dispassion is abhaya fearlessness. As Vedanta puts it, Vairagyam eva abhayam because a Viragi is one who doesn't have selfish desires inside and who in the outer world, the external world, is not dependent upon the fruit of action to give him happiness or fulfilment. Hence, he is fearless. He has no fear of failure. He has no anxiety or stress in his life. And this is something we get from the right practice of Vairagya. See, there is this book called uh, Imitation of the Christ written by Thomas A. Kempis. The author in this book says, we all can do four things in our day-to-day life to have peace, he says. And if we clearly see these four points are the one which a person who wants to practice Vairagya has to practice. He says, always seek to have less rather than more. See, it is our greed for things of external objects that produces strife and misery in us. See, when we always seek to have less rather than more, there is no greed, there is no avarice and there are no vices associated with this. And this helps us to develop detachment to things. And the second point, he says, is always seek to be the last rather than first. See, this avoids unnecessary comparison, competition and rat race in our lives. And we realize that these objects of the world are not going to give me satisfaction and hence why should I indulge in such a rat race? And the third point, he says, is Always try to fulfil the wish of others rather than your own. See, especially in a family setting, where we are able to compromise our own wish and where we give in to the wish of our spouse and our children, say for instance, then what happens? There is so much peace, there is no argumentation and we all know because these are some of the little things I am sacrificing for my own happiness. And the fourth one, he says, is always recognize and accept the will of God and which of course comes from our Daivapriti or devotion to our Lord. So this is it for today and we shall see the other two points of Sadhana chatushtaya next week. We shall conclude with the Shanti Mantra. Om poor Purnamidam poor namidam, poor naat, poor namudachyate, poor nasya, om shanti shanti shantihi. Shanti I thank Bhagwan for this blessing of sharing some of his teachings here with you today. I thank Team Radio Sai, I thank every one of you. Jai Sairam!